Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. You have set aside a day of the week called the Lord's Day so that we might come and gather together in the assembly and gathering of those who belong to you. Here it is, we worship, we praise, we give you glory and honor, we acknowledge you, we worship, we bow down, we sacrifice, we raise up our eyes to the heavens, and we have an expectation that your word is fulfilled when you say, behold how good and pleasant is it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. For there is where you command blessing and abundant life. We pray, Father, that today the heavens would be open towards this house, towards every family that gathers here. And we pray, Lord, that we might be receptive and welcome that which you pour out called grace. That which you pour out, which is called beauty. We pray that your blessing would fall on this place and that we might have a larger reflection of life as you intended it. We pray your blessing through your word, that it would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts, that our spirits might be nourished by the bread of life. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that your word not return void and that it serves the purpose of bringing us closer to you with an understanding that we might inherit all the blessings and the promises that you bestow upon those who wait upon you, Lord. Bless this house with prosperity and peace. Give us a joy inexpressible. Give us understanding beyond our years and use us to change the world. Use us, Lord, to make a difference in the lives of those we love and even in the lives of those who yet to know you. That the city of Miami might know that there is a people that worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. On my 50th birthday, which was Friday morning, I was woken up by my wife. She said, hurry up and get dressed. We have to go to the airport. I have set aside some flying lessons for you because you've always wanted to become a pilot and so I, I paid for your first lesson and if you like it then you pay for the rest of them and become a pilot and so we moved over to the airport I tell you the truth I was concerned I'm thinking this is a plot to get rid of me <laughs> this is the perfect season to put me up on an airplane and push me off without a parachute so I begin to call my friends and tell them, hey, my wife is taking me up. Just in case anything happens, you know. And my concern while I was moving in that direction, I don't know if you get wiser with age, but I, I begin to tell her, no, I'm really not interested in becoming a pilot anymore. I've become accustomed to being down here on the earth, and I'm concerned about uh, one of those accidents where people fly and, and fall out of the sky. So we, we were able to go, and there was a young 
instructor that was waiting for us. We get into a three-seater Cessna 172, a pro one propeller. He says, don't worry if the propeller goes out. I still know how to land the plane without the engine. That brought a little comfort to my heart. <laughs> we jump into one side. I, I go on the driver's side. Yvette jumps in the back. He jumps in the pilot's side, and we take off. We had gone on a similar flight the day we got, the, the, in our honeymoon week, we got married and we went up to Maine to Arcadia National Park expecting to see animals. In fact, I think this is a picture of Arcadia because that's all we saw when we went up there, a rock and a bunch of trees. There was no animals. So as we came down from Arcadia National Park up in Maine, there was a little young man, a young man, he must have been in college, probably 22. He had his little airplane on the side of the road and he said, scenic routes. Come and see the five lighthouses. And I said, Yvette, look, we've lived the best of life already. We just got married, and we've already have done a week into our honeymoon. I don't expect life to get any better, so I'm willing to die right now. So we jumped on the airplane, and this little lawnmower of an airplane was fighting the winds. And it would go, and then go back. And this little airplane... And so we saw the five lighthouses, and we saw some seals, and it was, it was a worthy sight. It landed. But now here, 24 years later, she takes me up in an airplane again, and now I think she's done with life also. <laughs> and we're up there, and we're going to Miami Beach, and this man begins to explain to me all the aspects of flying. I've named this sermon Flying High with God because something that he told me really touched my heart. He says, see, we can't do anything if we're going to fly unless we contact the control tower. And we have to report, and when he gave us headphones and we had our little microphones there, and he had to report to the control tower everything that he thought and he had an intention of doing before he would do it. And when he reported where he was and what he wanted to do, the control tower would scan the whole surroundings for other airplanes and conditions, weather conditions and atmospheres, and he would report back to the pilot, and he says, yes, you may proceed. But he couldn't take another step until he reported again, I'm about to cross this landing strip, is it okay? And the control tower says, yes, you're clear, proceed. And every step that he ever did to get to a higher place had to be reported and received the green light or the okay. And I, I received a revelation because he kept on talking. He says, pretty soon we will fly out of control tower authority. The control tower at a certain level when we're no longer their responsibility, will release us into the airways. And in the airways, we could do whatever we want. We could go as fast as we want. We could go as high as we want, as low as we want. We have no restrictions unless we come back to a place where it requires identifying ourselves and reporting our intentions and receiving the green light to proceed. And so he started flying down Miami Beach, and I was a little bit concerned because I've been in Miami Beach a lot of times, and I see these airplanes pulling these banners. 
And I'm like, I could see us running into one of these things. I said, listen, what do we do with the little airplanes that are pulling advertisements down the beach? And he says, oh, you don't have to worry. They fly at 500 feet from the ground level. They're at 500 feet. And we're at 1,000. And I go, why don't you go a little bit higher? He says, no, because the commercial airlines are flying above us at 1,000 feet. They're taking off from the Miami International Airport. So we have to stay in this position. I said, can you get a little bit closer to the hotels and the beach? He says, no, we have to be 2,000 feet out, which is roughly about a third of a mile, two miles, he said. And so he had all these flying restrictions to be able to proceed and enjoy his travels. So we soon turned around after going all the way. He says, I'm going to turn around now because we're about to enter Fort Lauderdale's airspace where I'll have to report to the control tower that affects the next area that we're going to fly into. And I don't want to report to them, so we're going to turn around now. And we turned around. As we were going to Miami Beach, he says, would you like to try to fly? I said, no, thank you. Maybe on the way back. So on the way back, he says, do you want to fly now? I said, okay, I'm going to try it. I said, Yvette, your life is in danger. <laughs> and it just blew me away that in those high places, in order to navigate, you need to be in touch with somebody who sees, somebody who knows things higher than what you see and know. And it reminds me of this verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, where the Bible says that God has raised us up with Christ. Use the word raised us up. Go ahead and say that. We're living at another level than the common man. We have chosen, I don't know about you, but I chose to go to a rock that's higher than I. I've chosen to go to a place that is safer than my capacity to navigate life. And the Bible says he's raised us up together and has sat us or made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's why people upon the earth do not understand us. People on the earth do not contact the control tower. People upon the earth do not confess and speak their intentions. Because they don't want anybody to respond. You don't have clearance. You cannot proceed it was fascinating to see that this man, when he returned, that we were going to land from our travels, he contacted the control tower. He says, permission to land. What do you mean permission to land? If I'm flying, I need to land. I don't need permission. The control tower says, you don't have permission to land. Because eight miles from the landing strip to the west... Whereas the normal flight pattern to land at Tamiami Airport, there's a falcon, and I was looking for a bird, and it's actually the name of a plane. Eight miles out, there's a falcon that is on the same course, and he's about to land. And if you don't understand the language, you look for a bird. But if you understand the language, you're looking for a special airplane. And he says, this airplane is eight miles out. You're to follow him. Then you, might, you may proceed to land. And so I started looking. Could you even see eight miles out? He says, don't worry. In two seconds, we'll see it. 
just look in this vicinity. So I started looking, I couldn't see anything, and all of a sudden, whoa, there it is. And an airplane landed right before we landed. The most terrifying thing about flying an airplane is landing it, being able to be safe. And so the Bible constantly talks about us being raised up to the heavenly places. It's Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5, the previous verse, that says this grace that has been given to us when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were in the grave because we were violating the course of life, he made us alive together with Christ. So now that we are alive and not dead, we're not in the grave, we're in grace. By grace, you've been saved. And it's only the grace of God that allows you to live a life above the human freight, where people don't ask for permission, where people do not disclose their intentions, where people have no permission to navigate. Last week, there was a young man who stole his airplane. He was a flight student here in that same uh, uh, airport. And I said, did you hear about that guy out there in the Everglades who crashed last week? He goes, yeah, he took the plane without permission. He didn't ask anybody where he was navigating. He started trying to do many things that he hadn't been taught to do. And he entered into something called an illusion. I said, what's an illusion? He says, when you're flying high, you think everything is well. You could be upside down and you think you're flying right. And he let the sun fall and a student is not supposed to fly at night. And so you can't see the horizon anymore. So he crashed and died last week. The, pli the pilot that was flying our airplane was telling me that he had broken all the rules of flying. Everything he was being taught. He was flying under the radar, unnoticed. He wasn't reporting. He wasn't keeping principles. He suffered vertigo, came into illusion, and died. And so that's the chaos that's taking place upon the earth with people that have not been made alive but are still dead in their trespasses and are headed for the grave. Verse 7 says that the reason God raised us up is that he might show a surpassing richness to life. Why has God put us to fly in higher levels? Why does grace bring us up so that, let's go to Ephesians 2 verse 7, that with the purpose that in the rest of life to come, God might show, that's what he wants to do, your life is, is a spectacle to be seen of the exceeding riches of his grace, the kindness that God has toward us through Jesus Christ. I'm not, I don't look, listen to me, there's not a day in my life that I look forward and I see travesty, calamity, and like, like sadness. Everything that's ahead of me is um, flying the friendly skies. And, and the, the gentleman told me, now that we have finished our flight, we were still flying, he says, are you encouraged? Because that first flight is to encourage you to do 40 hours of flight school with an instructor. And after 40 hours of learning the language and learning how to communicate with control tower, learning how to take off, learning how to land, learning how to uh, make sure you're being careful in conditions that are dangerous. He says, are you willing 
to go on. And I said, you know something? At the age of 50, I've become wiser. He knew it was my birthday. He knew it was a birthday flight. I said, at 50, I'm going to tell you what I really think up here at 1,000 feet. We were headed back already. You have done such a good job flying today that I'd rather fly with a pilot than to learn on my own. Will you be my pilot for the rest of my life? He's going to get his commercial license in a couple of months. And some, some wisdom came into my life. If somebody already knows what they're doing, why would I meddle in those affairs? If somebody has expertise, and listen to me, it was such a pleasant flight. There was not a moment that we were concerned or scared or freaked out because the pilot knew what he was doing. I, I had another revelation. If Jesus knows what he's doing, why do we want to take the controls? Why do we want to affect what he's already said he wants to be our pilot? I hate the bumper. Listen, I, there's some bumper stickers I can't stand, but there's one that I hate. And it's the one that says, Jesus is my co-pilot. I don't see anywhere in the Bible that Jesus offers to take the second-hand seat to your life. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He's either piloting your life or you are a terrorist, my friend. You have kidnapped the flight. You have sequestered, what's it called, the cockpit. You have invaded territory doesn't belong to you. I have young men coming to my office all the time and says, you know something, I, I like this girl in church. I said, really? Well, let's go see your pilot license. Let me see how you know how to fly this thing that I don't call a Cessna. I call the Starship Enterprise. You can't handle this woman, buddy. You cannot handle the responsibility to be able to navigate with the wonderful enterprise of what God has placed in womanhood. You would frustrate it. You would put it into, listen to me, the, it, was, it was an art this, this pilot had. I'm telling you the truth. I've been with other pilots. I've, 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 I've flown other airplanes. And, and it was so pleasant. The word pleasant, pleasurable. We weren't concerned. We weren't worried. This man, you should have seen him inspect the airplane before we take off. He says, now I have to check everything. And this guy went meticulously around the airplane, the aircraft, and he checked every bolt. And, and this thing, these things are put together like with nothing. They're like saliva pasted and stuff like that. Uh, you, you can't believe that this thing is going to go up because the flaps are so flimsy. Everything. And so he's checking. He says, look, now I'm checking the fuel to make sure that the dew overnight didn't fall and put water in the gas tank. Yep, it's good. And he poured it back in. And he went around and, and everything was meticulous in his capacity to fly. So we, being filled with the grace of God, are lifted up to the high places to be sat with Christ. What for? Verse 7. So that in the coming days, ages, we might display the surpassing, that means up high, riches, the wealth of his grace. His kindness towards us. The Bible says we've all have fallen. Uh, the human experience is so corrupt. 
We identify more with crash sites. We could point, that's where my uncle died. That's where my aunt died. That's where my cousin related died. That's where they're divorced. That's where they're broken. That's where, that's where they abandoned me. We're full of ruins. Our lives are full of not being at the life that Christ has for man. To navigate the high places. Romans 3.23 says, because of sin... Because everyone decided to not call the control tower, to not ask for permission, to not say, I'm going to proceed. You have permission to proceed. Who do you think you are? You're trying to control me. Um, my buddy, you won't listen to my voice anymore. Have a nice flight. How would you like to listen to the control tower? Just shut off your microphones. Um, sir, you could do whatever you want. Have a nice life. God bless you. You don't know when to land. You don't know when to come. You don't know where to go. You don't know how high. I, I was terrified that other airplanes, I said, so how do we know? Is there like a little thing here on the dashboard that we could see like the peripheral of other airplanes that might want to? You don't know. Who's flying? How are they flying? Where are they flying? All these things are the result of sin. Because they've sinned, they've fallen. Listen to me. There's not one day in your life that God wants you to fail, to fall, to mess up, to crash. God, God doesn't say, uh, I'm going to let you crash so you can learn. He's going to, the Bible says, keep us without falling. There's a verse that says, he's able to keep without falling. So that, that's where I enjoy. I, I want to enjoy life as God intended it. It says, they've fallen short of God's glory. There's some people in this church will never see God's plan for their life. Because they're still, they're the pilot. Jesus is the co-pilot. And for many people, they don't like to hear Jesus, so they mute his button. Let me not hear what God has to say to my life. I was telling a man yesterday, one of the powerful voices of God in our life are our wives. That's a great place for all the women to say amen, but that's fine. One of the great voices in man's life is his wife expressing her heart. And, and in that, there's provision of glory. My dad's famous last words. Ready? My mom says, don't go outside, honey. It's wet. You, you might have an accident. Permission to proceed, <clears throat> crash, burn, split, fill, slip, and fall, break a hip, break a shoulder. It's horrible. Now he goes to the hospital. He's in rehab. He's 10 days into rehab, and the therapist says, sir, I want to tell you an important thing about being able to navigate now at your age. Your wife will produce balance in your life. You hang on to her so you can be steady as you walk. How many think my dad wanted to hear that? That's what God's been telling him for 50 years. You have the permission to proceed when your wife gives you the thumbs up and the blessing. And whenever your wife is concerned, my friend, you should be seriously concerned. I'm not saying this by, by just frailties. When God says, I'll, I'll give you a perfect helper, he wasn't kidding so in that regards, Hebrews 12, 15 says, be careful lest any of you fall from grace. How many, how many here, 
are flying without grace. You think you're strong and, and incredible. Yesterday we were riding horses. I was telling the mayor, uh, the former mayor, Luigi Boria, we were riding horses together. I said, Luigi, when I was a child, I learned how to ride horses at 8 and at 10 and at 12 and at 14, 16. When I became a lawyer, I had two horses. I would ride them all the time. And then one time, I'm 35 years old, that I go out to ride my horse, and the horse goes up in two. I'm not scared. It goes up five times in two. I'm not scared. But then the sixth time, it went up in two and fell backwards on top of me. And I thought, I'm going to be paraplegic. I'm going to be a quadriplegic. I'm going to break my spine, my neck. Happened to Christopher Reeves, the former Superman. He died of that. And so the horse fell on me, and I said, Lord, what happened? And he said, all those years you were riding the horse, you're not a good horse, a cowboy. You're not a good rider. I kept you from being hurt all those years. And so many things we do strong and vibrant and, and look at me and I'm a he-man and I don't need God. Listen, if God were to lift his finger up against your life, you wouldn't be able to take another breath. The frailties of sin would, it says, looking carefully lest anyone fall. The Bible is concerned about us falling short of the grace of God. Because then bitterness rises up and it causes trouble and many are contaminated by Having fallen, I better hurry up here. Genesis 4, 6, God tells the first son in the Bible, he says, why is your countenance fallen? Why are you so angry? Why is your face fallen? Why are you looking down to the mud? How many know that some of us, the only thing we've seen is the mud? The only thing we've seen is life twisted, life down, life dark, life cynical, life absent reality. And, and so that's not what God created. He created people that would raise up their eyes. And so he would tell in that same book of Genesis, he would say to Abraham, Abraham, Genesis 13, 14, lift up your eyes. Look around. No longer down, no longer fallen. Lift up your eyes. Look up to the high places. Look up to where you've been seated with Christ. Look up to a, a, a tomorrow that has an expression you never even thought possible. Look from where you are, southward, northward, eastward, westward. Look to the whole vicinity, and I'm able to raise you up to the highest level. People, what we're doing as Christians is we've decided to get rid of the mud and the chaos and the ruin. We've decided to start having a control tower in our lives. We started communicating with somebody who sits higher than us. He tells Abraham, lift up your eyes. He tells David in Psalm 121 verse 1, he learned, I will lift up my eyes to the hills because my help comes from the Lord. I'm not, I'm not going to be looking horizontally. I'm going to lift up my eyes vertically to the height. I'm not going to look down. I'm not going to be fallen. This is the whole thing about coming to church. This is a place that causes you to lift up your future to a different perspective. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes, where does my help come from? Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. That's who I'm connected with that makes a difference. The one who made heaven and earth. How many think God knows a little bit? Absolutely. He has instruction for our lives. He has an understanding. One of the things about the control tower 
it sits on a higher plane, is able to see a little bit further and low a little bit more than we, than our perspective. Every time he asked for permission, I was like, listen, buddy, there's no one in front of you. Just go. Why are you being so slow? We sat for 15 minutes before we took off because he didn't have permission. I was like, what are you waiting for? There's nobody right in front of me. He goes, yeah, but there's going to come something at 200 miles an hour and it'll take us out. So we have to wait for that person to land before we cross this landing strip to get to our takeoff position. One of the expressions he has here, when David said, Psalm 18, verse 33, he teaches me how to walk on the high places. I think the Lord has to teach us. This is the struggle of man. He makes my feet like feet of deers that we're going to climb the mountains to set me on my high places. If we're going to a higher stature and a higher place, he needs to teach us how to walk in that atmosphere. He has to teach us how to navigate. He's making my feet like the feet of deer. You know what's special about deer? We were camping in Arizona with my family many years ago and uh, my children saw a moose, and they said, we're going we're gonna to chase it. Listen, that moose was gone in a blink of an eye. We were still stumbling over crevices and rocks, and we could not even balance ourselves. But there's something special that God has made in the feet of deer that are able to jump and jump and jump and, and flee to the high places. Verse 34, teaching my hands to war, to fight the battles, because the devil wants to bring you down low. There's a verse in the Bible that says the people of God know how to fight in the hills, but they don't know how to fight in the valleys. Let's bring them down to the low places. And then God says, hey, I'm the God of the valleys and the hills. No one's going to fight my people. But he gives us the capacity to start raising up. We're raising up champions. I'm, 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 if there's a joy of my ministry is seeing a five-year-old that knows God. Because I know he's going to own the town. I know he's going to own the nations. And my joy is that. The same thing with the young girls. I, the biggest travesty that I find in the church is a young girl not seeing her mom respect her dad. Because when she gets married, she's a gorilla. And she'll say like this, famous last words, my mom has never respected my dad and I don't expect to respect you either. See that? That was a Christian girl. I've never seen my mom respect and honor my dad. So how do you want me to respect and honor my husband? That's the biggest travesty I see in, in church ministry. He says, there is a place where God is making my feet like hind feet. There it is in Psalm 61 verse 2. He says, from the ends of the earth, I call to you, God. I report to the control tower. I call as my heart grows faint. I'm worried about how I'm going to go. And you lead me to a rock that is higher than I. You lead me to a place that is above where I'm at right now. I'm not staying in the mud. I'm not staying in the crevices of sin. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Isaiah 35, 8, where it says, in this pathway, there's a highway. What's a highway? It's a place that you can go and experience greater expressions. A highway shall be there, a higher road. And it shall be called the highway of holiness. Those who are unclean shall not be on that highway. 
but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, even though he's a fool, will never mess up. Even though he's ignorant, will never mess up. This was, this was my favorite verse in my Christian life. I knew I was a fool, but there was a promise. There's a way to live that even if you're a fool, you won't mess up. You won't go astray. It's called the highway of holiness. Who's not there? Verse 9. The lion will, uh, no lion will be there. There won't be ravenous beast. Go up at that level. They say that when an eagle captures a snake, she takes him all the way up to where he cannot breathe at those heights. So he dies for lack of oxygen. You take the devil to holiness, he can't touch you. I tell my kids, if you report to the control tower, which is mom and dad, and you get permission, the devil can't touch you. Stay under the cover, I tell them. And so they would always do that as teenagers. They would call and say, listen, we want your blessing. Because when we have permission, the devil can't touch us with calamity. And you see the great many of young people that are dying because they don't tell their parents anything about their lives. They don't report. Verse 10, the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs of everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and sighing shall flee away when you're flying like God wants you to do you only have the experience of joy Isaiah 40 verse 31 like eagles that mount up on the wings run and not be weary walk and not faint Isaiah 40 verse 31 says that those who wait upon the Lord those who have that expression where they continue. I, I want to ask you a question, and I always ask this to everyone. Are you flying by the seat of your pants? Are you winging it and flying under the radar? Do you not report? Do you not consider? Do you not seek guidance? The Bible says that he's provided for us somebody called an overseer. It's the word bishop. It's the word that looks beyond where you're at to give you clearance so that you can travel without turbulence. Some people are always pulling towards their own will. They're pulling towards their own life, their own thoughts, their own ways. That's called selfishness. You're going to perish. I, I go to bed at night with my wife. I'm, I'm, we're, we're talking right before we go to sleep. And, and I start going, I'm just so upset. And she's like, what happened? I said, this person's going to suffer so much. This person's going to go through turbulence because they don't listen. They don't have a heart to, to caution their flight patterns. This is the book that, that teaches you how to fly in high places. And Wellington Boone wrote a book years ago called The Low Road to Travel Higher. You should pick it up on Amazon. The Low Road to New Heights. That means get up at another surface and, and, and feel the realm. He says to be able to do that, you have to humble yourself because those that humble themselves, God will exalt. And those who exalt themselves, God knows how to humble. There's, there's a way to fly at levels that are high. And, and so part of what he writes in this book is that you have to become like a worm. And nobody likes to be like a worm except Psalm 22, verse 6. David, who was the king of Israel and lifted up to prominence. And I was talking to Pastor Palma yesterday. How in a lifetime God raises up a young shepherd boy to make him a king over a nation. 
How does he do that? Because he had this attitude, I'm a worm. I, I don't even consider myself worthy to say, I'm a man. No, I'm a worm. I'm despised by people. Pastor Wellington Boone, Bishop Wellington Boone, he goes out to a fishing store and he buys plastic worms. And he'll have it at home. And before he travels anywhere, he'll grab a plastic worm and stick it in his pocket. And several times during the day, he'll grab the worm and he'll say, Lord, give me the character of a worm. And a worm does not revile. A worm does not argue. A worm does not strike. If you step on a worm, it lets you go. But you step on a snake. Gotcha. It's aggressive. It's looking for vengeance. It's looking for its own. Lord, give me that, that spirit that was in Christ. That was able to humble himself at such a degree that you were able to lift him up. Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ who humbled himself. Let this mind, let these thoughts be in you which is also in Christ. When we were washing feet on Monday with the men at the men's group. I was telling the men that our tendency in nature is to pull out a sword and cut somebody's neck off. That's what Peter did. When they came looking for Christ, he pulled out the sword and whoosh, he was going for the head, got an ear, right? Chopped off the soldier's ear. Jesus says, no, Peter, we're not going to fight like this. He puts the ear back. Because man's tendency is to revile and, and, and be aggressive. And Jesus taught us to have a nature of washing feet. So next time somebody comes, hey, buddy, um, can I wash your feet? I want to show you that I'm your servant, that I'm going to go down to the vilest, what is it, vilest uh, expression of, of washing your feet. I want, I want to be the one that washes your feet. And the Bible says, because this mind was in Christ that you should have, verse 6, he didn't think it anything to be of reputation. Being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He didn't go around parading himself of what he knew and his power and his experience and his past, where he'd come from, from a throne, surrounded by angels who glorified him. And the glitter continues to fall. <laughs> Verse 7, don't make yourself of a reputation. He made himself of no reputation. I, I don't want to walk in pride and arrogance. But he took the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. Verse 8, he humbled himself, being found in the appearance of man, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Uh, control tower, I'm feeling like I don't want to do this, pass this cup, but nevertheless, not my will, thine be done. What is your perspective? What is, a lot of times people will come, last week somebody came to the house and said, oh, we're leaving the church. I said, okay, well, what? stop, what? you're flying on your own, stop, stop, stop. I know that that's what you feel and that's what you want, but consider these elements. See, here there's a meteorite. It's about to knock you out. Here's an airplane. Here's a, there's no oxygen here. There's, and so I started pointing out things. He says, hey, listen, I want to take that back about leaving the church, and I, I want to go and fly to enjoy oxygen and blessing and life and peace and future, and I want to see God's glory. And so they were able to apologize, but they had made a decision before coming to find counsel. People don't, I don't know if you were 
uh, in the days where they would navigate the open seas, there was a huge aircraft carrier that was mighty in battle. It had a whole bunch of airplanes and a whole bunch of war and soldiers. And the admiral came on. He says, uh, these are my coordinates. You got to move out of the way. He says, no, sir, I'm sorry. We know that you're high and mighty and you have authority, and you, but you must move this much degrees to the west and he says, don't you know who I am? I said, yeah, I, I figure you're an aircraft carrier. You're an admiral. You've been in 10 wars. You have been, you're strong. You have explosive. You have bombs. But I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> and you don't want to continue to challenge my instructions for your welfare. He says, sorry, sir. Uh, I'm moving west 80 degrees. And change his course. A lot of us need to have that perspective. I think... Grace gives us the ability to rise higher that we might fly with God. He says like this in 1 Timothy 3, this is a faithful saying. If any man wants to be an overseer, he desires a good work. And the number one employment for suicide are air traffic controllers. Probably second are pastors. Because we continually contend with people that do not want to navigate in a manner that is beneficial to themselves. We went out to the firing squad, to the firing range about five years ago. And there's somebody called the fire, uh, the range master. And he's the one that makes sure that everybody stays safe when everybody's practicing shooting out there. Is that true? Range master is his name or something like that? He's the guy that oversees all the shotguns and the shells. He says, no more firing. And so the one guy is going around pointing his gun. He's like, sir, put your gun down. And everybody hates the fire master, but he's uh, the range master, but he's the one that's keeping everybody alive. Let's stand this morning and reconsider our, our travels. And I, I just pray and thank God for this morning, that, that you be willing to navigate in such a manner that you have smooth sailing, that you end up enjoying your travels, your wife, your children. You learn. Yesterday, we were teaching young youth the principles of how to navigate life because in five, ten years, they're not going to be able to continue uh, in foolishness. They, they have to be able to scope out the land. They have to be able to see their surroundings. For one man in the Bible, it was too late to look up in Luke chapter 16, verse 23. This man had decided to look up for the first time when he was in hell. That's a sad place to start learning how to look up. Being in the torments of hell, he lifted up his eyes. The man Lazarus that Jesus was talk talking about. I, I don't want to end up in life having to look up from the place of pride and arrogance when I've fallen into ruin. And the Bible says, lifting up his eyes and looking afar off, verse 24, he saw Lazarus in his bosom and he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger, his toe in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And then he asked something else when he was in hell looking up in verse 25. He says, and have him go up. Son, remember in the lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now we have 
he is comforted and you are tormented. Verse 26. There's a Hades, there's a, there's a hole, a gulf between you and us and we cannot go and pass from here to there or from us to you. Verse 27. I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send Lazarus to my father's house. How many, how many would love to be able to sit down with your family members and, and talk to them about coming to the grace that allows them to fly towards God's glory and not have a crash and burn scenario down the road? I felt like telling that pilot on Friday, I want to teach you how to fly too. And he was going to go, He's talking about. Yeah, because I see you crashing and burning down the road. Your marriage, your children, your finances. To be able to fly with God is glorious. Father, thank you. We're able to be made alive in Christ. To experience the riches of your grace. To be able to be seen. The manifest presence of your glory upon the earth as we are traveling like few men like to travel. This aspect of asking for permission and clearance. And we never say that the control tower is being legalist or being overpowering. or We don't answer back to the control tower. You're being too controlling because that would be foolishness. So allow us in the spirit also, Lord, to teach our families the grace that brings us to glory. Give us the humility that allows you to exalt us. Give us eyes that see over things. Like David, he lifted up his eyes to the hills where his assistance and help would come from. Father, from our help comes from the Lord. Thank you for saving us in Jesus Christ. And though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he's made us alive and sat us in the heavenly places to see from a different perspective, to have a different understanding, to come to your wisdom, to see your glory. We pray for the church and for the family. We pray for your spirit to be upon us all, Lord. We pray for the quick recovery of my father who's at the hospital, Lord. We pray, Father God, for all those whose birthday is today. Bless them, Lord. Thank you for adding them to the numbers of those that are being saved. As they fly gloriously with your grace, let it be so attractive that other people want to come and learn this life. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you that Jesus Christ is our pilot and not our co-pilot. Thank you that he is at the helm uh, leading the troops, Lord, as an example of humility, an example of obedience, an example of walking in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for blessing and peace throughout the week, Lord. Thank you for keeping us safe. Make our travels pleasant, O oh God. Keep us during this summer, Lord, that we might grow in the grace of the Lord and in the power of his might. We pray, Father God, that you would bless everything that's done today, Lord, and that we would continue to seek out the instructions that are coming from our control tower through the Holy Spirit which speaks to us the things of God. In Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God say amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. God bless you.